Good morning, America. This is The Daily Answer, and my name is Mark. We want to do a part two. That's like one of those king-size candy bars where you get like double the ones. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, I always have like a, a dilemma when I'm, okay, I'm enjoy. There's two, and then there's the four pack. But like three would be like the perfect thing, but okay, which one do I do? And well, I'll eat two now and save two later. Well, that's not going to happen. So this is kind of what young people, teenagers, maybe what I wish I would had heard. And I may have heard this. Keep that in mind. Sometimes older people would say, boy, I wish I heard that when I was your age. Well, often you did and you were not paying attention. I know that's often my case. But let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, you're a teenager. You're a young person. Um, what are some things that you need to ponder? You need to consider. And the book of James, the book of James opens up with, I think, about three statements that people really don't like. The first one is in James chapter one, two through four, that suffering is good for you. You know, count it all joy when you experience trials. Most people don't want to hear that, but it is the truth. It will make you stronger. Not only that, but you need to go through something because I hate to tell you, young person, you got some hard stuff up ahead of you. And that's the way I look at um, the things that have happened to me in life is that all the hard things I've been through are preparing me for the next challenge that's up the road and maybe even more challenging. Not only that, but when you go through difficult things and lean on God and you make it through that with your head on straight, it gives you confidence that is, okay, it did not destroy me. I'm not like in the, it uh, rolled up in a ball in the corner crying now. I'm functioning. I made it through that. I learned a number of valuable lessons. My prayer life improved. I read my Bible more. I appreciated my relationships more. I came out of that a stronger person. And, and really, that's the goal, is to develop the best version of you. The second thing, though, in James chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, when you're tempted, let no man say, I'm tempted by God. Okay, you know, like God made me do it. But equally, it says, each man is tempted when he's carried away and, or drawn away by his own lust. That's something people don't want to hear. That is, the lust in you that want to go in... Um, the part of you that wants to take a healthy desire and twist it, okay? Sexual desire, but I want to take that outside of the marriage relationship. All right. That's lust, okay? You were born with all healthy desires. 1 Corinthians 14, 20, other passages, you're born pure and innocent. Now, you're not born wise, but you're not born sinful. You're born pure and innocent, and whatever desires are put into you at the beginning, they are not unhealthy desires. Now, they can be channeled in an unhealthy way, like anger, okay, and sexual desire can be like, become real selfish, and that's the point of James 1.13. 
is that if you're struggling with less, guess who, guess who created that? And you don't want to hear that. You want to, well, no, 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 that, that's not me. That's not my fault. I did not create that. That's been in me from the beginning. No, it has not. You, you cannot remember what you've been from the beginning. You have no memory of about the first three or so years of your life. All right. Not only that, but you do not remember the past accurately at times. Neither do I. That's why we need scripture. So if you're someone who says, okay, but I've, I've got, I'm tempted to do this. And that temptation has been in me for as long as I can remember. That's not true. That is not an accurate statement. It has not been in you as long as you, now, maybe as long as you can remember, but remember, you don't remember so well. That's what, look what the Holy Spirit says, your lust. You're not born with that. You've been feeding that. You've been nurturing that. You got to own that. If you're tempted by porn, you got to own up. You were not born with that. You've been feeding that. You created that monster. Now, here's the good news. If you created it, you can also destroy it. The bad news is if that is inherently in you from day one, well, then there's nothing, you you can't do anything about things that are inherently in you, you know? You're, you're inherently a human being. You can't change that. So you've developed and you've been feeding those things that right now are tempting you. If you have an explosive anger You've developed that explosive anger. Yeah, you were born. You were born with the emotion of anger, but you were not born with a sinful anger. You need to get a handle on that. And the good news, if you, you if you've created that monster, you can destroy that monster. All right, people are the valuable thing. People are made in God's image. I mean, Genesis 1, 26 through 27 would tell you that, but so would James chapter 3 about verse 9. There is no substitute for human interaction. And so be very careful about wanting to go completely virtual and not want to have any interaction with people. You need people. People help keep you mentally sane. And one writer made a great point on that is that we actually farm out our mental health. We farm out our mental sanity to other people around us, to good people around us that help keep us in line. Hopefully you've got some friends in life that if you're about ready to do something stupid, they're going to come up to you and say, are you sure? And hopefully you have parents like that or siblings like that or teachers like that, that before you go off and do something that you cannot undo, that they're going to look at you and say, you sure? Are you sure about that? Those, all those people help with our mental sanity. And so be careful about, man, one of the great, one of the easiest ways to go crazy is simply isolate yourself and don't interact with anybody. Not only that, Refuse any correction and burn all the bridges to people that try to help you. Yeah, all these people trying to talk to me about God or whatever. I'm just going to burn those bridges. I'm going to torch those. Yeah, that's a great way to go crazy because I run into people like that. 
Years later, I ran into people that when they were young, they simply put their foot down and say, I'm not, I'm not going to let anyone tell me what to do. All right. Well, you follow that path and you'll end up alone. And you'll end up weird. And I'm talking nuts, kookville weird. So knowing that, don't, don't anyone try to, I mean, I'm all about like recycling, being a good steward. But to say that the planet's more valuable than the people is wrong. Planet's not made in God's image. The human soul, Jesus noted that in Matthew chapter 16. You are more valuable than the entire physical creation. The important thing on this planet is the people. And don't go down the path of, you know, this world would be a lot better place if, you know, 80% of the people were gone. You know what? That's the devil's message. The devil's message is everything that exists deserves to die. That's Satan's basic fundamental message. And even beyond that, maybe deserves to die and deserves to suffer as it dies. Satan's attitude towards you is that you are a miserable creature. And you would throw God under the bus and your mom or whatever, and you are a fake. And you got a price. And you're just a big hypocrite. That's what you are. That's Satan's message. And you're just miserable and pitiful. So you got some college professor saying, you know what? Boy, this planet would be a lot better if we just got rid of 80% of the people. Well, Mr. College Professor, are you going to volunteer first? <laughs> Should we get rid of you first? You know, often the people that say that always assume that, well, I'm one of the 20% that should stay around. You know, it's interesting. What a contrast to Genesis. When God creates the things in Genesis, including mankind, Genesis 131, and it was good. I mean, after the various days of Genesis, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. Life's a gift. Life is full of potential. Don't blame God. Proverbs 19 verse 3 says, The foolishness of a man subverts his way and he rages against the Lord. When you do something stupid, sinful, and foolish, and typically it often will bite you the next day. Don't blame God. That's on you. Learn to assume proper responsibility for your life. Yeah, I'm the idiot that did that. Not only that, but don't go through life pretending that you know stuff. True maturity, true maturity is, I don't have a clue how to do that. Would someone teach me how to do that? I don't know what I'm doing. Would someone teach me? I know that's humbling, but that's good for you. You do well when you humble yourself. So be willing to learn. James 1.21, particularly though verse 19, is be slow to speak, listen, spend more time listening, especially the older people who've been through some stuff. Secondly, watch your anger. You don't have a right to be angry. You have a great life. You live in a great country. And number three, um, and I forget what number three is. <laughs> quick to hear, quick to hear. Be very quick to hear when, okay, someone's giving me really important advice right now. I need to tune into this conversation. This could save my marriage. 
Yeah, this could keep me from blowing myself up. Be open to correction. Uh, you're going to need to be open to correction for the rest of your life. I still have to be open to correction, and I'm 64 years old. Be willing to listen to the hard truths. Like, here's what you need to change about yourself. Here's where you're being harmful. A bad upbringing. If you're listening to this and you say like, but I, I did not have Christian parents growing up, or maybe I had Christian parents, but they were like a train wreck and they were just Christian in name only. None of that, none of that has to doom you. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 14, there's various scenarios back there, but in that particular scenario, it's a young man has an evil father. And what I find interesting about the passage in that section, it says, and the son sees all his father's sins. That is, it's, it's not that the father is a closet sinner. It's not that the father is really doing a good job. You know, all of a sudden, one day, son wakes up to find out, wait a minute, I didn't realize my dad was doing that. No, dad has been sinning in public. Dad's been coming home drunk, and dad's been running around and bringing various women home, and none of it has been hidden at all. It says he sees his father's sins. And then it says, he does not do likewise. Nothing forces you to make any choice. You always have free will. Nothing can ever take your free will from you. You cannot ever say, you cannot ever say, this or that person forced me to do that. You can, no, you, you always have a choice. You always have free will. And nobody can take that away from you. I mean, if you become a slave of sin, you, vol you volunteered for that. Whatever you're doing in life, you're volunteering for it. Don't, don't say, oh, my parents forced me, forced me, forced me. No, uh-uh, no, not buying it. A little bit farther. You must be all in on the Christian life. You can't live it halfway. And I think the parable of the sower brings that out of a, you know, kind of a, a ground out there, but it had weeds in it and it had thorns in it. And this person, yeah, you know, they're a believer, but they're continually distracted by earthly things and the cares of the world. And they just never grow. You have to be all in. Not only that, but that's just not for being a Christian. That is true for about, I don't know. I, I, I was trying to think, is, is that not true for anything? Like, can you go halfway in on a marriage and make it work? No. Can you just kind of like dabble in parenting? No. And, and be successful. Can you be a doctor like halfway? I'm kind of half committed about being a dentist, half committed about being a veterinarian, half committed about going to engineering school and still make it through? No. Not only that, but can you be half committed in your friendships and have deep quality friendships? No wonder Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, whatever you do, do with all your might. And even in the book of Colossians and Ephesians, the Christian worker or servant is to say, you know, work heartily, work for the Lord. And in the Christian life of Ephesians 6, the armor of God about 13 through 17, 
and having done all to stand. Yeah, you, you, you got to be all in on what you do. So don't be this person that just kind of dips your toe in the water and tests the temperature. I'm just going to kind of... And don't say, well, I'll give that a whirl. No, you don't give things like that a whirl. Or there is no try. Much of life, there is no try to be successful. You can't play it safe. Yeah, but man, I get married and um, what if they leave me? That's right. That's right. Marriage is a risk. But walking out your door is a risk too. Going to work's a risk. Driving in your car is a risk. Change your light bulb's a risk. <laughs> Flying in a plane is a risk. Please don't have this attitude of, well, I'm not going to do that until, you know, someone can convince me that, uh, no. When you meet a woman or you meet a man, they're not going to have attorneys with them who are going to try to convince you and lay out, well, here's all the evidence why you should marry this person. And, you know, here's some pie charts and here's flow charts and things like that. And here, here it looks like his earning potential and things like that. And here's a genetic test for what their genetics are. No. It is always a risk. When people are trying to bend your ear on wrong stuff, false stuff, false doctrine, when you encounter a teacher, professor, neighbor, relative, friend, or whatever, and they're trying to convince you the opposite of what God says, all right, what have they done? What's their track record? Look at that. And look at their personal lives. Anytime that you encounter a critic of God or a critic of scripture, a critic of the church, what's their what is their track record and how are they how are they doing in their relationships? You know, you got some teacher that's trying to pull one over on you, trying to do a number on you. What's his marriage like or her marriage? Are they even married? What's their personal life like? They got their head together? You encounter some therapist that gives you advice that's contrary to scripture. How is their mental health? How's their life working for them? Yeah, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. Be aware of what you don't need to hear. You might say, well, Mark, Mark what, what do you mean by that? What I don't need to hear. Well, 2 Timothy talks about people that are going to come along and try to tickle your ears. If it's, what is it? Everyone says like, you know, man, someone comes along and tries to sell you something. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know, kind of all the multi-level marketing things. I tell you what, to me, a red flag, a red flag in any business, when someone comes up to me and tries to pitch me some sort of business venture, and they're trying to convince me that at 30 years old, I could be retired and on jet skis in the Caribbean. I know that's false. That's a lie. That, that's not the way it happens. And it's always a red flag for me. I like what someone said, stop listening to the things which make you feel weak, morally weak, 
I can't do this. I can't overcome. I can't resist this temptation. Cynical. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. No one's doing that. No one's doing anything. Depressed and angry. Or stop listening to the things that make you feel sorry for yourself. Right now, is there anything that when you listen to that, and it might be advice from someone or something you're reading or something you're listening to online or whatever, if it makes you feel weak, man, get rid of it. Only listen to things that challenge you, are the in your best eternal interest, and you'll know that. You'll know that. I, I think there's an inner sense that you probably have that when some co- someone comes along, uh, you're, yeah, your mom and dad are telling you you got to do this and got to do that, okay. But you're going like, okay, but I don't want to become like that person because they're a train wreck. They're trouble. Listen to what makes you feel strong, not what makes you feel arrogant. There's a difference. And not what gives you an out or an excuse or a chip on your shoulder. But listen to those things that give you a smack on the back of the neck and say, hey, wake up. Here, here's what you need to do. Here's how you do that. Here's the prime directive. Serve God, keep his commandments because everything you do matters. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13 and 14. All right, we're gonna stop right there. This was The Daily Answer, your host, Mark. And until next time, we will see you in the funny papers.